Are you ready? Yeah. All right. One, two. Wait, 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 no, I'm sure it's some joke. If it is, we have to stop everything and change the whole show as a tribute. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm sorry. I'm going to shut off my phone. Okay. All right. Hit it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, good. Why we'll was that up. pause between you and me? There, I don't I know. hear a pause. Yeah, Joe, pause. you like waited. It wasn't in the same time. Well, and it felt like there was a half a second between you and me. Joey. Oh, and it felt so. like there was a half a second between Joe and I. Well, so I guess it all just, works itself out. Yeah, you might just be a slight. No, not I might just be a slight. It would be on both sides then, dick. Oh. Okay. Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 9, Episode 10, titled Ru Crew Makeover. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by two controversial co-hosts. From the podcast Pod is my co-pilot, please welcome to the stage, Taylor, Taylor Thomas. <laughs> Hello, Joe. <laughs> Hello. Now, Taylor, let me ask you this question. We have a, 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 a an extra special guest co-host today. Now, usually you and I banter for a while, and then we bring on the co-host, sometimes mm-hmm. a little too long. How long do you think that this co-host will be able to hold it in without uh, interrupting? I'm surprised he hasn't interrupted yet. <laughs> I know. Um, By the way, we, I did just look something up. Betty White is not dead, considering a conversation that we just had prior to the, our uh, prior to uh, taping. Well, look, here's the thing. <laughs> you know what's so funny is I've been watching a lot of this Golden Girls. I've been binging on Golden Girls on Hulu. You know, mm-hmm. they have the whole run on Hulu. Yes, I have been watching it too. However, there is something I'm disappointed about with it. But go ahead. That you're not Coco. And you didn't make it all the way through the whole run of the show? <laughs> oh, God, I would have loved to have been Coco and lived in that house. Um, okay. Go ahead. So, anyway, uh, you know, you watch it, and the show holds up. It holds up so well that I typed in Google Golden Girls Reunion, and they had, like, a mini reunion at the 2009, right before they all died, Right. Uh, TV Land Awards. Right. Oh, my God. They were so old. Well, they yes. So I know, but 30 it, years old. At that point, it was like 20 years old. And yeah. they were all in their 50s and 60s then, so it makes sense that they're all going to be, look. I know, but in in my head, the show holds up so well that they still should look the same. And yeah. it's like Rue McClan, and it's like, Arr-haw! and then B. Arthur's like, oh, shut up, bro. I'm a big bitch. You know, and then <laughs> Betty White's like, hey, everyone. You know, and it was just, it was so sad. I can't. I can't watch, even though I did watch an interview with Rue McClanahan on like the, uh, there's like a history of television documentary or something like that, right? Yeah. A long interview. She, because I saw the clip package first and she seemed fine. But then all the comments were, I couldn't watch it. She's so mean. And so I watched the whole 30 minute segment on the Golden Girls and she is so mean to the interviewer. Like he asked a question, ah, I already know. Stop, stop talking. Like she just like doesn't want to get. She doesn't want to hear it. So anyway, how was everything good with you, Taylor? 
Everything is good. Can I say what I don't like about the Golden Girls on Hulu? And from <laughs> okay, what don't you like about the it, the quality, the film quality that they have on Hulu? It looks like they took old VHS tapes. Like I get that the it's you know thirty years old or more so in in some cases, but. When you look at older shows that were either taped on film or either shows that were filmed on video, they seem to have a higher quality than Golden Girls does. It's it's actually distracting at times. Do you really want to see a show about uh, elderly women in HD, Taylor? <laughs> if I had to watch a show about elderly women in HD, Golden Girls would be the one the show that I want to watch. Golden Girls is one of my all-time absolute favorite television shows. Even from when I was a little gay boy in New Jersey, mm-hmm. I would sit and watch it and... I, I'm gonna tell you that show I, holds up. It does hold up. It's a lot of the jokes, even though I have seen all of those episodes a million times and I know when the joke is coming, I still laugh every time. I bought I have the first, I think, two seasons on iTunes with the intention. I, uh, and and it's it's amazing how funny how how fun how just how funny they all are, the perfect timing. You know what's so funny is I am such a fucking nerd, Taylor. You think my nerdiness only extends to RuPaul's drag race? Mm-hmm. It is it also extends to Golden Girls in that, you know how they have the beginning of the show? Mm-hmm. In season one, I would clock the episode and timestamp of when those moments appeared in the opening of the show. And also, I clocked the first time they mentioned St. Olaf and the first time they have Cheesecake, episode 22, by the way, both the same episode. St. <laughs> Olaf doesn't get mentioned until episode 22? Yep. Is that, 22. The, is that the episode when they where they talk about how they all met? No. Okay, because it, I actually brought that up last night when we went food shopping, and I said, those are lovely cantaloupes, and then I went, thank you. Like that. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> when they first met. Yeah, they were. From that. <laughs> that thing yeah. Well, I'm not going to buy this nightstick. It's a salami. No. It's obnoxious. I, it's I can the, quote that whole episode. It's the episode where, it has to do with, can I remember the, you know, when, like, Rue walks down the hallway, like all like, and Dorothy's in their, they're both in like their nightgowns. Oh, when she says, I'm jumpier than a virgin at a prison rodeo? Yes. Yes. That's from, that's the same episode where they mention. That's uh, pretty jumpy. Oh. Who was that? I, I don't know. Who was that? Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's the first episode they have cheesecake, and it's the first episode where they mention uh, St. Olaf. Okay. Yeah, I took notes. Did you read that book? Did you ever get what that book? book that came out last year? The, no. Like, the, what, the, what are you talking guy? about? I and I just donated it, or I would send it to you. It's oh, a, I would. A, a book b- based on it's. Uh, oh God, what the hell's his name? The one that used to be on Sirius XM. Uh, the guy in the Larry afternoon. Flick. One no. of Larry Flick. <laughs> no, not Larry Flick. The guy Frank. Um, oh, Frank DeCaro. Frank DeCaro's husband wrote a book on the entire series of the Golden Girls, and I was super excited to get it. And it was very disappointing to me. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to buy it for somebody. I, that's something that if you, I mean, if you're a really huge Golden Girls fan, get it from the library and read through it. I mean, I knocked uh. it out in a couple of days and pretty much it just says that, you know, B. Arthur didn't like anybody. That was pretty much the entire just. Well, you know, book. you know, Rue McClanahan pretty much says that you should watch that 30 minute interview. It is fascinating. She is very frank because it is, it is like the museum of television broadcasting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have done a series of these like. Like four hour interviews with these like legends, mm-hmm. and they and they so I think they're thinking this is for posterity. So they're very very frank, mm-hmm. and she's very nice about it. But she pretty much says that B. Arthur didn't like anybody. Yeah, so except Estelle Getty. Well, you know on the in, on the interview, this is the longest we've ever gone. Like, on, the, <laughs> on the interview, she says that B would only go out with them to lunch if Betty White went. So she, she talks shit on everybody. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, 
You should, I'll, I'll send you the link. All right. And from the podcast Cocktails and Cream Puffs, a podcast that's won, n- that's never won an award. Joey made sure he wanted you guys to know <laughs> Cocktails and Cream Puffs has never won an award. Please say Rumpelstiltskin to Joey L. Boohecker. My hate for you is seething. Really, <laughs> you, you, Wait, Joey, what did you say before we started the show? What, Please don't tell them I won an award. What, what amazes me is I actually went back and listened to to several of your other episodes because I've never listened to RuPaul's Drag Race recap um, just because. So I went back and I listened to it and I thought he treats all of his guests with such respect and dignity mm-hmm. and is so nice to them. Mm-hmm. I I will do this show, and then I come out and I get treated like like. Psh, well, we'll see. <laughs> Stick around, but uh, yes, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to uh, being on this episode. What, uh, I don't even remember what you asked me. What was the question? I'm sorry. There wasn't a question. Same today. You say right, but well, oh, when you were talking about Golden Girls, can I tell you what the scariest? We're part done is? with that conversation. No, we're not. Well, can I tell you what the scariest <laughs> part of that conversation about that is? Is what? that you said? Do you want to see elderly women in HD? We are really not far from their ages. I mean, really, they're like. 10, 15 years from when they started doing that show, they were not elderly women. No. They were they, not, Well, I was on, just on a cruise with my mother. My mother is 59. She's going to be 60. And I said, do you realize when the Golden Girls started, you're older than Rue McClanahan and I believe Estelle Getty at the time. She's definitely old. Rue McClanahan was much younger. She's she was like, like 56 or something. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, but the other ones were in their 60s. But at the time, though, even though we knew she, I mean, she was younger, we never not looked at her as an elderly woman when they started that show. We accepted right away this is an old woman. Yeah. Of what we considered old at the time. Well, when well, you I think know. about that, a lo- the difference between, speaking using Betty White as the analogy here, right. the difference in age from when Golden Girls started versus the difference in age when Hot and Cleveland started, there's not that big of a difference. All three of those actresses are in their 50s. Right. And then you have Betty White. So, I mean, what is perceived as an old woman in the 80s and the way it's, it was in their fifty, you know, especially they're all in their fifties, and then you've got women that were very vibrant and full of life on Hot in Cleveland. It's it's crazy to watch how things have changed. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things I read about, and I, I thought I mentioned it on the show. Maybe I mentioned some other show was that Brandon Tartikoff when the show came on. You know, Estelle Getty's character Sophia was supposed to be only like a recurring role. It was just a drop in. Yeah, and he said, no, she has to be part of the cast because what she does is she essentially turns the Golden Girls into children, into younger women, so that they have the same problems as younger women, and she's the parental role. And that's true if you watch the episodes. In fact, what's kind of weird is that the Golden Girls rarely, unless they're kids or guest stars, mention their married life. I mean, they might mention their husbands, but they don't ever say, oh, one Christmas when my kids were 10. They don't ever say that. Well, I don't know if that's true, because if you really dig into it, there are moments, you know, like where we know that Blanche his son nearly burnt down the entire town or you know different situations with more probably with Blanche we don't get much about Dorothy's kids that I would say is true but Rose talks about her kids and I think Blanche talks about her kids Dorothy just doesn't care but ironically the thing with Blanche is Blanche's like son changes names like four times in the course of the series that was something I got from the book or it's it's where they never actually list how many where you know that you know how many kids Rose has. You know how many kids Dorothy has. But you don't – they never actually list how many kids Blanche has. And it seems like she's got like six sons. Uh, I thought she – well, I only remember one, but I'll accept that. I remember okay. the one that banged Rose's daughter. 
that no, that was, no, no, that was Michael, that was which Michael. is Dorothy's son. Right, yeah. the musician. Not oh, Blanche. you're talking about Blanche. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah right. Yes. Anyway, it's a br- it's it's really a brilliant show, and it and, and it does hold up, and I and it's it's if you, anybody out there, younger listeners, because I find a lot of younger gays. No, sweet Michael loves it. Have not seen it, and even if and if you're a performer in any way, shape, or form, that is really an art in four strong comedians at the top of their game. You're watching theater every week. You're watching yeah. a new play yeah. every week versus a, versus a serial serialized television show. Uh, the reason I started watching again was Sweet Michael. Uh, he was the one who said, like, oh, I've been watching Golden Girls. It's so good. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should watch Golden Girls. So he was the one who turned me on to it. So he's one of the young gays. Anyway, this week, Dorothy loses her job at the substitute teaching <laughs> school. And she goes to work for her old student who's making video games. Oh, I was about to go, she goes to work for Blanche at the museum, and, get, and Blanche gets jealous when she thinks Dorothy's trying to steal her job. Yep, that happened, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. This week, Nina Bonita Brown surprises the girl with her lack of confidence. Hold on, on. is there a show there? I would love to team up with the two of you. Starting episode one, is there a show there? Let's let's table this. I think we could talk about this. We could talk about it, but I think someone does that. There's a couple of them. Are they? uh, Are they us? No, they're (laughs) no, they're comedians that work in L.A. that are trying to get a name for the. Oh wait. Fuck you. All right. Let me tell you this. Taylor, we had podcasts before everybody else did. Sorry. All right. Please. I'm sorry. Here we go. (laughs) By the way, how many minutes are we in? This is going to be one hour show. (laughs) (laughs) This week, Nina Bonita Brown surprises the girls with a lack of confidence. The girls make over members of the drag race crew into members of their drag families. Nina wants to sew her outfit. Nina realizes she doesn't know how to sew. Trinity (laughs) touch Rizzo. Sorry. <laughs> Trinity tucks Rizzo and the girls lip sync to a RuPaul song. The judges loved most of the looks, but in the end, Trinity Taylor won the challenge while Shea Coulee and Nina Bonita Brown were placed in the bottom two. In the end, oh, I said that twice. Nina Bonita Brown, Nina Bonina, wait, ni- I'm trying to work on this out. Nina Bonina Brown couldn't pull the rabbit out of the hat and was asked to bounce away. Ladies, name two things you liked and one thing you didn't about this week's episode. Let's start with Mr. L. Buhecker. So, and please keep me contained, okay? Because I'm actually want to go... No, I'm sorry, because I did listen to your show, but do I just drop them? Like I say, I like red, I like blue, I like green, or do we actually get a discussion moment, too? Uh, a, a short discussion. Okay, so I... So, this goes together, but this I'm going to start with what I don't like because it's more important. We are at the point of the seasons that I think RuPaul's Drag Race suffers from this, where they have less contestants, and they still need to fill the time, and unless you have really, really, really interesting contestants, which this year I don't feel like there are, I think it gets laborious and, and it gets difficult. With that being said, which is the same word, right? With that being said, you would expect them to have a really interesting show, and I found that this one had a horrible, for, for had a horrible edit. With all this space to fill, they still took the stuff that's of interest, and to me, what was the challenge, and made it down so that condense it down so in reality me as the audience member i can only judge on looks 
I can't judge on what the challenge was, which was the performance. They might have only taken the 10 seconds that were only good from the performance, but I have no way of knowing that because they didn't show me the performance, which is what I cared about. Instead, they showed me Nina Bonina, Bonita, O.J. Simpson Brown. They showed me her a thousand times for another week saying, I shouldn't be here. I'm horrible. Everybody's gunning for me. They wasted so much time on her fucking bullshit. Can you swear on this show? I wasted so much time with her bullshit over and over hearing it again like a broken motherfucking record that I didn't actually get to see the challenge. So the reality is I don't know if Rue's judgment was correct because I'm just basing it on looks. If I was just basing it on looks, I'm not sure I would have the same bottom two is what I'm saying. I didn't get to see the performance, and I feel like the nuances in the performance, and I was hoping to see the performance in Untucked, or them teaching the girls the performance in, in Untucked. I would have really liked to see that, and I didn't see that. So I feel this was a really horrible editing, editing job. I dread asking this, but what two things did you like? That's what I was just going into. That's what I was just saying. <laughs> all he was like, I didn't like the lip sync. We're going to get all into this. No, Joey, I'm you're... sorry. I'm, t- I'm sorry. I apologize. But going no, into the apologize. two things that I like, I think that as far as the make your um, your twinsy challenge, your makeover challenge, I feel, in my opinion, this was one of the best makeover challenges um, that I feel has been done from the makeup point of view in, in all of RuPaul history. And also, my other favorite is Rizzo the Rat. My God, he is an adorable boy. Taylor? I would say the um, thing I don't like was I am not a huge fan of the Makeover Challenges episodes. They're, they're never really one of my favorites. Um, and I, But again, that being said, I mean, it kind of is sort of the same as Joey's. I'm also glad to see Nina gone. I think that it was a long time coming and... I'm I'm glad that we can move past this and maybe get into some other storylines that maybe have taken a backseat because they wanted to show this overlying storyline arc of, you know, what clinical depression looks like in a drag queen. So that that those are the two things I like and the one thing that I don't like. How about you? Um, like Joey, I was a big fan of Rizzo. Oh my god, how cute is he? I started fall well, I should say I. Our show started following him on Twitter. Uh, I'm a big okay. fan of how cute he is, and two, I, I, for the, I, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna make a bold statement here. For the first time this season, RuPaul from top to bottom looked incredible. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That we'll we'll talk about that in the fashion look. That that was also on my list, but I do want to reference that. But that was the, uh, that was the best she has looked. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm so, the one thing I didn't like, I was just so sick of Nina. I'm, I'm glad she's gone. We got one final big Nina push. And then- but Joe, I don't know if you reference this, but it's funny because I wrote that down as this was the best look I saw of Rue all year. And then I saw the preview for next week's episode where mm-hmm. her makeup next week looks like old Rue amazing like i was so impressed with next week makeup and next week's hair it was as if her normal designers are back because it shocked me how much better the preview looked well you know the rumor is and i don't know if we talked about this in the show you the did. rumor is that matthew anderson dumped a wet wig on her head on the first day of shooting mm. right <laughs> and uh that that's when the fight happened actually when production started so maybe it took you know if you think about it yeah it's been eight weeks, nine weeks for us, but really in the reality of the span of the show, it's been a couple of weeks. And maybe that just was the learning curve 
Yeah. Right. You know, to, you know, it, all of a sudden you lose Matthew Anderson, you got to get people and, and this, the learning curve well, took that long. Once we get into discussion of this, that learning curve, I want you to remember, which is why I applaud these girls doing the makeup because it took somebody who knows, am I, in, is this the wrong time for this? But it took somebody who knows Rue's, we all know RuPaul's makeup. We know what Rue's makeup is supposed to look like. We've seen at least her, her drag race makeup for how many seasons now. And yeah. look how long it took a good makeup artist, Raven, who's really good, to perfect that. That gives makes me give bigger props to any of these queens who took a man's face who they've never had to work on before and make them look like they're twinsy. I applaud that because that's mad skill that we don't appreciate how hard that is. I mean, again, we all know what RuPaul looks like. We all think Raven's brilliant, yet... This is the first time Rue's starting to look like Rue, and even now the eyes are still dark, and the lipstick's a little heavy. All right. Well, Sorry. All right. We'll get into that in the looks. Taylor. <laughs> it's okay. Joey's just done the whole show in the, before we started the show. I'm sorry. Right. I'm excited. And I can't talk right. to anybody about we, this. We appreciate your excitement. Absolutely. Well, why can't you talk to your best friend Donna Sugars about this? Who? <laughs> the next day after the elimination, RuPaul entered the workroom to announce this week's Maxi Challenge. For this week's Maxi Challenge, you'll be giving our beloved crew members the chance to strut a mile in your shoes. <laughs> Ladies, these men are like family to me. Now I want you to share with them firsthand the miracle of drag. Hashtag Rue Crew Makeovers. (laughs) As the winners of the previous challenge, Shay and Sasha were allowed to pair the girls up with their respective crew members. The teams went as follows. One, Josh the PA was paired with Shay Coulee. Duncan, the associate director, was paired with Sasha Velour. Three, Sarge the camera operator was paired with Peppermint. Uh, Four, Aaron from the art department was paired with Nina Banina Brown. Five, Rizzo... The set PA was paired was paired with Trinity Taylor, and six Brady from audio was the audio team was paired with Excuses Michelle. I don't think In Duncan's the bad to look at either, though. Can I just say I think Duncan is cute. There's a big movement behind Duncan. We'll get to that. In the workroom, the crew members worked really hard to help the queens with their respective challenge. For Rizzo, the set PA, he learned the hard way why Trinity got her nickname, the Tuck. Okay, I'm known for body, so I would like to make a swimsuit for you. How do you feel about tucking? It's gonna hurt. But with a swimsuit, it's like, it's very there. You gotta pull it back, or I'm gonna pull it back for you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How's it going? I feel like, come on. You ain't supposed to be playing tug of war. (sighs) Fuck. I mean, flip. I mean, ouch. Not a wrestling match. <laughs> you ain't even got to the duct tape part Hold yet. Hold on. <laughs> ball keeps, like, trying to poke out more than the other. We're going to use tape. Damn it. Okay. Let me see. Uh, I mean, it's not great. Still, so we're going to do another piece. Okay. <laughs> Ow. This hurts. Spread your legs a little bit. What the? F- get the f- out of here. On the main stage, the girls debuted with their new drag sisters. Ladies, any thoughts on the challenge? Taylor, let's start with you. Um, this is all your thoughts on the challenge right here, right now, on the show. Okay, I am not... Hold on. <clears throat> sorry. I'm sorry. What happened? Babalu's pubic hair got caught in his tonsil. 
Yeah, I just heard the episode where you topped, and I was appalled. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen Babalu. He was more appalled. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out how the physics of that works. Okay, well, it's not... It, shut up. Um, okay, as far as the challenge goes, regretting saying, we should totally have Boo Hacker on. Um, I know. <gasps> I think that when they've done this in the past and they've had people like, you know, veterans or they've had, you know, the Stonewall people and stuff, it felt like there was stories behind the people that they were using. And they were using this as a way, as a platform to kind of remind people of thinking particularly about people that were in Stonewall. That, you know, this was a major event in our history, in, in gay history, and that, you know, a lot of times, especially our LGBT elders get forgotten about, or, you know, veterans that served aren't necessarily, there just seemed to be, like, a reason for it. This one, while fun, it felt like a couple of times they were trying really hard to promote something as far as that, you know, well, you know, I'm a straight guy, but I can do drag and it's totally okay. And then you had Rizzo that was talking kind of almost about like a gender fluid thing, but it wasn't necessarily defined, which is ironic considering what gender fluidity is. So there was part of it that it just felt like they were reaching for things to talk about in the workroom to kind of make it a more personable moment between the queens. Also, I think we didn't really have anybody that usually they always have at least one that fights with a queen on a look or that they don't like something or they want to change something and you didn't have that. So that's why this this whole part up until the runway looks felt very boring to me. I, I was just not necessarily a really big fan of that. It didn't feel, bo- you know what, that's funny to me because for the exact reasons you did didn't like it that was the reasons i did like it because i always felt in the past bringing in veterans or other stuff it just felt so disconnected where they felt where where it was like at least they had a comfort of somewhat knowing these people which i think allowed them to have the ability to 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 it was an it was an open and accepting volunteer where before i felt like these people didn't always get it, and it was a little uncomfortable, and they all came in with their own agendas, where this time they were just blank canvases. And for that reason, and, and to see how easily they seemed to relate with these people, I actually enjoyed that part more. Interesting. I, I, enjoyed, the, I enjoyed the back and forth, because there was definitely where they knew each other. It was a comfort. I, 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 I appreciated the comfort. However, when you hold this up to other episodes like that, that was where it just felt... When they did have these moments of where RuPaul would go over, now you're a father of two small children. What do you think? That that kind of stuff felt very, very forced. And that if it had been where they were just all kind of sitting and talking and laughing and stuff, that I, I was, I'd be okay with that. Sure, I guess. I'm just saying that the, 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 the moments that they tried to do something felt very reaching, which we've talked about that, that this season in particular, like the, what we call the mirror moments, feel very reaching compared to some other issues that they've talked about in the past. This whole episode was a bad edit. Yeah. Well, like you're saying, I mean, I think that part of what drag, and I think this might speak to the larger overarching story of the show is in the beginning. I think that one thing that RuPaul was trying to do was celebrating drag and, but celebrating it in a way that showed all of the facets that, that it's not where they're just these painted painted men that come out and lip sync that they all have these stories and have gone through a lot of tragedy. And I think that as people that come on the show recognize that this is more about promotion and this is more about fame versus, you know, celebrating that. I'm not sure how I'm, I'm not sure if I'm wording this right. 
do you think that because this season it's on VH1, which which once they did the replay on VH1, the audience for, for RuPaul expanded like fivefold from when Logo finally had it replaying on the other network, and now that it's on this network and it's getting much more mainstream play. Do you feel that that's why this season they took average Joe men of different ages who work on on the set as opposed to something specific like like members of the Mattachine Society or, or, or elder gays because it's much more understandable. It's like, oh, look, that's like my father. Yeah, maybe. I, I, okay, was the show – because I thought that the VH1 thing was decided on right before – it aired. So, it is, but they, Joey's talking about when they did All Stars 2, they were re-airing. They, in other words, it was flipped. You know how Logo runs the reruns? Mm-hmm. Uh, VH1 was running the repeats during All Stars 2. Right. So okay. I guess what I, I, I what I thought was that they knew that this season they were going to go VH1. I thought they knew that. No. I thought it wasn't announced, but I thought they knew it. No, there was a there was an internal corporate struggle. That's why the show was delayed. Okay, then my then perhaps my statement on that I, I rescind that. Okay. okay. You know, my take was going speaking to Joey. Oh God, you're editing, here. Hi. <laughs> look, I, as a host, Joey, you can take a lesson. I know when to step back <laughs> and let other people talk. Anyway, so, uh, you know, speaking to what Joey's comment was about the edit, I think it felt weird because they actually know these people, and so what happened with the table visits, and I noticed on a couple of rewatches, is the table visits that they aired were with the crew members who weren't going to get a lot of screen time. So Drew didn't visit with Nina, she didn't visit with Shay, and she didn't visit with Trinity. It was the other crew members so they can say, like, oh, you get your fair share of airtime because we're your friends. We want to make sure you get on television and your friends can see you. And so I think the edit feels kind of weird. It's kind of a lack of story. I mean, the only real storyline in this episode is one that we've dipped into for four episodes now, which is Nina's self-doubt. Oh, God, she would step in front of a car. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. come on, enough. There's there's that one person who's always We're going to get to her later. We're going to get to her later. We're, yeah, we're, we're sorry, getting to Nina later. We're getting to Nina later. Sorry. Right now, we're just talking about the challenge. Um, as for me, you know, I didn't hate the challenge. As far as the makeover challenges go, you know... It, it, it's one of these things now with this season where it started so weak. I think the week, you know, what the problem with the show was that apart from the Gaga episode, the beginning episodes were so weak that these episodes are just sort of standard issue. This is what episode seven, eight, and nine is usually like, and this was yeah. a standard issue episode ten, you know, uh, final six kind of thing, and. It just felt like that, and it delivered, and it was fine, and there's nothing wrong with it. Not every, not you see, the problem is also All Stars two set the bar so high, but not every show is going to be magnificent and fantastic, outstanding. Yes, but think of what's missing in this show, Joe. And you're a writer, so I mean, that's what's missing, and that's always the problem with with uh, some, this kind of reality television is what this season is missing, which every season has had right into this point, usually in the top three. There is no villain or antagonist. They all get along. The only villain that was there, if you want to even call it a villain, and I wouldn't, is Nina, and she was a villain to herself. You don't think Excuses Michelle is a villain? No, I don't. I think okay. I think there's a self-doubt to her. I think there's a self-deprecating, but I don't think she's anything like when I think of how Roxy Andrews at this point became a villain or or uh, Fifi. Fifi became a villain. There's no bully. 
She's she's insecure in herself, you know. And to me, that's one thing. But there's nobody who's fighting with anybody, and there's no controversy. There's no villain. When somebody goes down, each of those girls go running to help them up. When in the past, they would have stepped over somebody or they would have been in two different camps. There is no controversy at this point. And I agree with that. But I think that that's kind of what I'm saying as far as the difference in the early seasons versus now. We're almost dealing with a Schrodinger's cat kind of thing of where it's they're aware that they're being watched and they're aware that – these moments that they have are going to be reviewed and dissected by people such as us on podcasts or on our Twitter. Yeah, but I don't think it's in their personalities, though. I don't think it's in their personalities because when you think of the people who were villains, after they left the show, they still had that edge and that bitchiness to them. And I don't think anybody left or in there is a bitch. I think most of them have been doing this as a business, so they've all understood how to react so you get bookings. So you don't have the fly in the ointment like you did in the past. Look, any of the girls you want to bring up who were a bitch in the past, believe me, there's there's you Laganja, you can hear about them, how they are on the road and how bookers feel about them even now because they still have that diva attitude. Nobody in there right now has a diva attitude. And that's huge. They're professional girls. Yeah, but I think I think Taylor's right that they're very aware now that the people who I mean are the nicest and the most popular are the ones that get the most booking. I agree with that, but if you still are a bitch under that microscope and you're still if it's in you, it's gonna bubble up at some point. Which I think well, that's true. Which Michelle does a little, okay, but she tamps it down, but I don't think she's strong enough to tamp it down, so I don't think she's a full fledged bitch. Again, like many of the other ones have been. Even when we think of Adore, Adore was kind of a badass pain in the ass. Even and even when Adore went on to to All Stars, she knew it was under her, and she still had a fucking breakdown through a fit baby. I just don't feel like any of them have it in there. I feel they're all beige in that area. Taylor, beige, beige is a really good way to describe this season. Yes, it's a very beige season. I like that. They're that all talented in a... earlier seasons, like Absolutely. seasons one through three. Some of them would have really kicked ass. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to see Trinity and Chad Michaels go at it. Because those are two girls from the same vein, professional girls, and to see them in the first like season, you know, early season, I bet the two of them would have would really worked each other down. Okay, so Taylor, any other thoughts? No. All right. Well, let's move on to the look. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm Taylor? sorry. I had one more yes. thought. I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm so sorry. But I but, just said any. Go, no, go you ahead. said Taylor. Any other thoughts? You did say Taylor. So you did say Taylor. What I just want to stress, and this is from somebody who who formerly was a drag queen, but also does drag characters, and I have painted people's faces. I know my face. And I'll even tell you, my left side is stronger than my right side when I'm painting my face. And I know how to do my face and can do it blindfolded. I also know that my nose is crooked and goes to the left. So when I do it, I know what I'm doing. If any other artist has ever worked on my face, they start off because my nose doesn't look crooked. And then they start doing shading and then I hear, shit. And I go, yeah, my nose is crooked. And they have to redraw and recontour and redesign my face if that's the first time they're working it. And... I do my makeup really well. I have a makeup designer who has done my makeup, who when he does my makeup, it's perfection. Okay, What's your makeup designer's name? My Mine? Karamiya, Guy Tomasi. Oh. Guy Tomasi, when he paints my face, I look like the most natural real woman you'll ever meet. So it does amazing makeup, taught me how to do my makeup. I still can't duplicate what he does, and I've been doing this for over a decade, well over a decade. So I have such a respect for these girls, and I've this is repeating this, but 
what they do is not easy, especially when you start working on somebody and you realize that, you know, first time you shave them and you figure out what foundation covers, what foundation doesn't cover, how their makeup is. Doing your own makeup's one thing. Doing somebody else's is completely different. If you're a makeup artist, it's that much easier. But if you're not a makeup artist, that's hard. Now, Nina is a brilliant makeup artist. I am, I, I, I respect her so much, but other people, I, I have to say this time I was really shocked how well they did. My final thing I'm going to say about this challenge, and then I'll let you guys, I'll let you run with it. What pissed me off about Michelle, even though I'm, who's Michelle? Visage? Visage. Even though I'm okay. not a Nina fan, the fact that she bitched that Nina had them in leotards and high boots. And I thought in that kind of challenge, if you were going to tell me to make my twin, that is Nina's stock look. So, of course, I would put them in my stock look. When I did drag, I had two stock looks and two stock dress cuts. Every good drag queen out there that you know, that you can think of, they have a stock look. When you think of Bunny, you think of her in a stock look. When you think of RuPaul, you always say blonde hair, these very specific hourglass cut dresses. Everybody has a stock look. And for them to keep trying to break, for Michelle to be like, I wanted to see something different, this was not the challenge for something different. This was a challenge for saying, if I was making RuPaul's twin... How would I construct her? Like, if they told everybody to make a RuPaul twin, we all have a pretty good idea what they would look like. RuPaul wouldn't be walking out with bunny ears and, and a bubble dress. It just wouldn't happen. And if I didn't know what body type I was going to have, if I didn't know if I was going to have Donna Sugars or Joe Patance or Taylor the Latte Boy or, or Adam Burns, this skinny shit, and I didn't know which one I was going to have, a leotard and high boots seems like a really good idea. Or I would be making like simple caftan dresses or that because I don't have an idea. If I'm lucky enough that they're the same shape as me and I can pad them into my shape, then great. We'll use one of my dresses. But... I think for them to for anybody to get on her about that when her artwork is really the neck up, I thought that was bullshit. Any oh. other thoughts? Anyone? All right, let's go to the looks. Do you agree All or right. disagree with that statement? <laughs> Sorry, I'm asking because Taylor was uh, no, nodding, I, I, but it, nodding doesn't work on the podcast. I <laughs> I agree. I agree with with a lot of things you're saying as far as Michelle saying we need to see something different from her. Not there. I. I, it wasn't a fair statement, but I don't think that's the reason why she went home. Oh, I, abso- I, really, I absolutely agree with you on that. But I think in I, that situation, that's not a fair statement. Right. I mean, and I think that's also a statement that should have been said maybe two episodes ago. Yes. If, and then that's something. But And then if she came back to it, you know, or even explaining to her, explaining to the, well, this is this is what I normally do. So if I'm making a drag sister up, right. then I'm going to put them in a similar similar outfit well even when she was um, bitching about makeup i thought there have been times that a black woman and a white man have been together they're not gonna have identical makeup and if i yeah. did her in blackface makeup you'd have a real issue with it michelle so right the sim- you know if, if i said to you right now create taffy or create joe batance where you had to pick out the outfit for joe batance i'd pick a black t-shirt and a pair of jeans and if <laughs> no but i normally i would but if i put mm-hmm. joe in a fluorescent green t-shirt and a pair of, of khakis that's not Joe's twin. You know what I'm saying? If you put Joe in a fluorescent green shirt and a pair of khakis, there's a good chance I'd send you a dollar. You'd be landing <laughs> Because planes. I want to see that. <laughs> All right, the looks. Let's move on to the looks. The first look we actually talked about a little while ago, and that is RuPaul, who was wearing a dress designed by, I can't, Zaldi? Is that his name? Zaldi, yeah. Zaldi. Uh, so, Joey, 
Boohacker, what do you think of this look? And at the end of your discussion, please give it a toot or a boot. It was, I'm guessing, toot is good. Yes, and toot is good. Boot, boot is, is Canadians, which are bad. Um, so I think this was a very traditional RuPaul dress cut. This is the traditional RuPaul look. I think her padding was spot on. I know at one point you guys were bitching about her padding, and I think it's difficult because Ru is actually as thin as a rail, and everything you see there is basically a couch stuffed under there with her. Uh, I think I think the colors were perfection for her. I think that was probably her best dress all season. That little Hawaiian inspired, it, it was fabulous. I loved it. So it's a toot. Okay, Joey uh, Joe Batance. Well, you know Zaldi's designed every dress she's ever worn on the show. Really? Uh, yes. 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 Oh. Yeah, this is not a one-time Zaldi thing. This is every episode. But but this one, he brought it this episode, because the one he's going to be on. And uh, and the wig, you know, it's it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very normal RuPaul wig. It's not the crazy wig that she's been sort of showing this season. And the makeup is on point. It's a huge toot for me. Yeah, this this is definitely, we. Uh, my husband and I both, when she came out, both went, oh my God, that's such a pretty dress. And it looked light. Sometimes some of the stuff she wears just seems to weigh her down. And this was just a very, very pretty dress. Her though. lips were a little heavy. a little, And her makeup's still a little heavy. But I, I can live with that, especially for the new high depth, which is the, probably the worst thing VH1 did for them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So toots all around. Wait, before so next- wait, Let me actually ask you a question because this goes with – I'm sorry, but I need your input because you guys I think would notice – or Joe would probably know this the best. Joe, do you think – because the whole taping process is relatively short during this. Do you think the girls, the contestants get to see any of the dailies or get to see any of them themselves on camera? No. And the reason why I ask that is – the first couple episodes, especially the initial reveal, I thought their makeup looked horrible in high depth, and somehow it's gotten better. And I don't know what would account for that change unless they somebody showed them pictures or said, look at this, you need to do it for high depth TV. What is your thought? Oh, I don't think it's them. I think they must have, I don't know my guess. So what happened was when they filmed it for Logo, Logo has a, a lower quality high depth than VH1. Which, which P.S., you've noticed that before in their live shows is, and I've said this before, when you're painting for a club, you're painting very different because you're making light tricks than you are for television. And even remember in the earlier performances when they would do them in the live show and they tape that for TV, sometimes their makeup looked really rough. And they, uh, the, so the, when they went to VH1, it's just the way the show was processed in editing that uh, it you saw all the big flaws. I'm wondering if they went back and sort of reprocessed it and made it reprocessed it and made it softer. I don't know because it has gotten it, better. You agree, right? Yeah. Well, there was there, there was a weird purple lighting thing they were doing. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's not as in the earlier episodes you couldn't even see. You couldn't even see what they were wearing. Right. It was yeah. so weird well, and dark and bizarre. That's still it, an issue. That that it's it's not quite as bad as it was, but it still seems like it's an issue where they've got that weird fuchsia and light blue lighting. As they no matter what they're wearing, that's like what's on their. And face. And that was this big for today's runway. Last night's or the other night's runway. And I really wonder if some of that was to give them an advantage, also working with the blending on these new faces, because I hated that because I couldn't look at their makeup in as much detail as I actually was able to look at on Untucked. Well, I was, so anyway, my point is that they're not seeing any sort of footage, but maybe the, I don't know what why they, their makeup improves, if, if you think it improves. Well, but, I, uh, I think it's softer. Yeah. I think it looks less 
less clubby. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also can consider that, you know, the the critiques, we only see probably 30 seconds of the critique. I mean, they might be talking with them. That's a good and point. Just not sharing it as far as saying the look, the way this lighting is hitting, your contouring is horrible. You're going to need to blend it a little bit more. That's and a really good point. depending on the reaction, if they get, if you get somebody like when they used to talk about Willem and you could see Willem's five o'clock shadow, then that becomes part of the story. But if it's just something where they're giving subtle, oh, that's not working, you might want to do this next week, that kind of thing, that that could be what That's a good point well. because it looks like everybody's been buffed and, and blended where before, look, again, you guys don't do drag, but when you're, when you're doing drag and, and especially if you have a rounder face, I have a rounder face, when you're, in person with somebody, it's one thing. It's a daytime look. When you're on stage, you're you're drawing these harsh, harsh lines in your face just because the way the light's going to pick them up, you all of a sudden have cheekbones. So if you think about most of these girls are not doing television or, or, or you know, stuff like that. They've been working in dark clubs where you have crazy lights and you're just, you know, going for the, the lines are okay. So I anyway go on. I wouldn't be surprised if they went through like a, a, not a class, but like if they were sort of spoken to because obviously VH1, it's in VH1 or Locos or the World of Wonders right. interest that the girls not look that rough on TV. So maybe they're taught something. I don't know because episode know. one a, was question. rough. Episode one, I remember going, oh god, I'm not going to really handle this high depth because it just I hated everybody's makeup. That's right. Next up. Trinity and Glitter for Days. So, uh, Joe Batance, what do you think of Trinity and Glitterfa's looks? I thought they were really good. Is that in the picture you have right there? Is that Rizzo tearing or who's tearing? Is it or, is that during the tear off? Yes, they're both tearing oh, okay. off their skirts. There's a big blur in the middle. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of Trinity's aesthetic, but I think in terms of the challenge, speaking to what Joey said, is you really did see that she really made uh, Glitifa or turned Rizzo into Glitifa and that they look like sisters. They look like twins. They look like members of the same drag family. And uh, I think it was good. I think it met the challenge and it looks fantastic. And I give it a two. One thing you do see is, you know, for me at least, without a point of reference, it's hard to see how big Trinity's butt is. But when they turned around... Mm-hmm. And you saw Rizzo's compared to Trinity. Like, oh shit, she has a big ass. Yeah, yeah. Like, you you really saw the silicone in this one. Yeah. Okay. So Joe Joey Buhecker, what do you so, think? So um, I for, I give her mad props for this, and I think that Trinity tends to have a very old Vegas showgirl look, which is okay. It's totally cool. I didn't like Trinity's wig, but as far as a transformation. I really was so, so very impressed. Um, I would have liked a darker nylon. That made me... I don't like that. Um, But as far as... Look, I mean, she is wearing these amazing spiked heels. Uh, I'm talking Glitifa. And mm-hmm. and what she did with her, I mean, really, you you would look at her and know that she's from the, the Trinity's family, no questions asked. One part of the show, which which would go into that when I'm talking about heels, is when they were all teaching them how to walk in heels. And I thought it was one of the funniest things in the world because having learned how to walk in heels, I remember my coach would tell me to vacuum the house with it. Because if I was shit-faced drunk, I can walk without any heels like I have heels on. But walking in heels is is a scary thing. And, and for him to dance in the heels like that, which Trinity taught him, I was so impressed. I think this was definitely a, toot, a huge applause to her. Yeah. Um, aesthetically... 
was not a fan, especially of Trinity's look. I just thought it looked a little just trashy. But I think that uh, if for the for the competition itself and for the fact that the two of them do look like sisters and everything, I would agree. I give this now, one a two. Now you say it's trashy, but can I ask? Wouldn't you consider it though a stock Trinity look? Like it's, yeah, I'm not right. a big, I'm not a big fan right. of Trinity's aesthetic. I, Trinity but it is me, her look. Yeah, Trinity to me, and we talked about this before, is very Central Florida drag queen circa late to mid nineties. Oh like, yeah, that's ide- which I mean, she's from she's from Orlando, as we've talked. She about. She looks like all the stuff. American queen, the the, the uh, uh, Miss America queens back in the back in the late nineties. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's the, the so and that I feel like drag has moved past that look in many ways, and she's still kind of stuck, but still making you know, the money, honey. She, exactly. She's she's doing something right. So. Okay, next up is Sasha and Donatella Valor. So, Joey Buhecker, what do you think of Sasha and Donatella's looks? Okay, so I, as far as the look itself, this is not my thing. This is not my thing at all. Uh, however, they were definitely sisters. It's very funny because he almost looked like Sean Lennon, Um when he was done, it reminded me a very. I had an early, I had a, a '70s Beatle, John Lennon, Yoko Ono feel to it. I think it's a great look. He knew how to make it work. Again, this is a. Again, the look is not me, but this is a smart designer who said, "I need to take a man, and this guy is a man, and cover up as much of the man as I can, and make him have a feminine quality." As feminine as I believe that that she is, because she is not horribly feminine either. So I think, as far as the challenge goes, this is—I believe they are from the fam- same family. I think Sasha did great. I would give it two, but it's not my look. Okay, she's got great legs. I'm looking at her legs. Donatella, yeah, good has, calves, has great legs. So. Okay, Joe Joe Batanz, two to say something. I think a two. I think it should have won the whole thing. Really? I think it's my favorite look. Oh, it wasn't for me. I, no. I love the hat. I love they look like sisters. They both look fantastic. Um, yeah, I like this look a lot. Like the wigs are great. Like it, it you can't tell that like Sasha had to whip this together. You know what? The thing where you say that though, this is this is where I look at. I think they I think and I've said this right from the get-go. I think this was the best year that I don't think anybody looked bad. Let me start by saying that. I don't think anybody looked bad. Where in past years, it has been a fucking train wreck. However, if you're looking at for level of difficulty, though, Sasha really hid his body and put him in big drapey things. Where I feel if you look at our winner, our winner really put him in in sexy, tiny girl clothes and made it. You see a shape. You see a body. You see you see high, high heels where this one, we covered up anything that was a problem for us. Yeah, but that's but you're speaking to why they had different challenges. Rizzo has an amazing body, and so she and so Trinity was able to use that. But I don't think this guy doesn't have an amazing body. Uh, he had kind of a like a dad bod, which is not bad. Okay. I'm just saying he had a dad bod. Okay, I'm, nothing wrong with a dad bod. No, nothing wrong with a dad bod, but it's not going to work in a Trinity style outfit. Yeah. Sure, sure. I think they both worked with what they had to work with. However, I think Trinity created a woman. Okay. I love this look. I thought that it reminded me very 1940s, like, Asian showgirl kind of thing. Like, like in the old, like, Busley Berkeley films and stuff like that. That's kind of the the idea that I got from that. <laughs> it's like thoroughly modern Millie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the only thing is I would have switched the hats. 
I thought I think that would have brought it a little bit more together as far as a cohesion, as far as if at least switch the hats, especially it would have brought in it would have accentuated accentuated the coat a little bit more on Donatella. But definitely it sounds like we got toots all around on that one. So now we got Shay and Bay Coulee. Uh-huh. Joe Batance, what are your thoughts on this look? Okay, look. Here's the thing. Bay is clearly not a drag queen, was very uncomfortable, but looking at the challenge, I don't think Shay did the worst. You know, it it doesn't work. It's 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 definitely a boot, but the boot really comes from. This is an unfortunate photo we have in front of us, but the boot really does come from the way Bay walked down the runway and couldn't handle the wig and couldn't do a lot. And you know, they've had they've released more footage from the lip sync parts, and you know, Bay kind of brings it. So like, I I don't know. I don't know if I believe that Shay should have been in the bottom two. It's a boot, but it's it's a lighter boot than maybe some other ones. Okay, Joey. I have to judge solely on what I have seen, and I didn't get to see the lip sync, and I'm really upset about that. I first of all, I used to think, and I still think that Shay sometimes reminds me of Damon Wayans on In Living Color. Um, you know when he did that drag character. I sometimes feel that. However, Shay and the last few things have made me think that this girl is a contender. I wouldn't even mind giving her the crown at times. I think this is a toot. I think that the outfit, I look at her, I believe Bay is Shay's sister. I think that she beat Bay's face and Bay looked gorgeous. And I especially saw that in the uh, Untucked. I thought she looked gorgeous. I thought her silhouette looked great. I thought her makeup was brilliant. What I, she just the wig. The wig was too much. If there was a way for her to be able to work with the wig more, and I bet that wig didn't go on to almost the last moment, so she didn't get to work with the wig. But I believe it's her sister. I think the wig is what fucked us up, and she walks like a linebacker. But otherwise, give her a week. I bet she would have been amazing. And I think they looked like twins. I I think we have our first disagreement of the looks because I would give this a boot. Um, primarily not so much because of the wig thing because that uh, that's kind of out of control once they go out down the runway. There's not a lot they could do. But I thought Shay's dress was very – it looked very heavy it, and it looked very dated and not in a good, fun way. It reminded me of something you would have seen like Julia Sugarbaker wearing at some sort of like benefit – episode of designing women like it just had that weird 80s like heavy drapey like almost like a velvety not a velvet um velour like like a velour sort of thing i i did not like it at all can, can i you know so i give this a boot i i don't why do you hate black people taylor right I don't disagree with with where where you're going from, but this is again this is something that 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 I want to want to just throw you guys to the t- to the mat with this is these drag queens, okay, who most of them are not hugely famous, are going to pick a dress. Most of their clothes look great under club lighting, so something like that. And and as much as you say that that Julia Sugarbaker thing, which the old gays still go crazy about, and those beaded dresses under the lights and still everybody screams their head out when you walk out about it. I don't buy that dated shit because when I did drag, you made money based on tips. And they even talked about this in, in Untuck this time is many times you spend, it's a loss leader. You spend more money on the drag than you actually make back until you make it huge. So 
this dated stuff, if it still fits and it still looks good under the lights, you're going to use it. And I didn't think it looked that dated. I think it looked like a seven foot black drag queen in, in a fabulous outfit. You know, so I know where you're going, but I, I remember they're not rich or they're not hugely, you know, have all these bookings when they walk in here. They have a bag of shit that they've been using that makes them money that they repeat. And I can appreciate that, but you you said that you, you know, are an elitist white man. But okay, <laughs> all right. But if but it didn't it you brought up two points. If it still fits and it looks good, it clearly fits. But in my opinion, it doesn't look. I oh, see. I thought you looked great. Well, agree to disagree. I give this. I give this one a boot. I think RuPaul could walk out in that dress next week, and people would go crazy. On who? On Shays or Bay? Shays. He was talking about Shays. He wasn't talking about Bays. And Bays, I actually applaud because this bitch built a dress for a body she never knew. Yes, it's a wraparound dress, but what a smart idea. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, the picture that was up on the website that I got these from, we can't really look too much at Bays' look. We're looking yeah. more focused on the wig, yeah. you know, and the horrible shoes that she has on. Oh, but- the shoes are wretched. Right, but I mean, uh, the, my main focus, unfortunately, was you looked at the wig, the the falling wig, right. and then you also looked at Shay's whole ensemble, and to the, it just felt very nineteen eighties. Okay, cystic fibrosis sure. foundation sure. benefit. Sure. So. Yeah, I'm looking at a front version of it. Yeah, yeah. but if that, right. yeah, sure, fine. Okay, moving on, we have Alexis Michelle and Mimi. I'm first. Wow. <laughs> Joey wow. Boohecker, what are your thoughts on this look? First of all, you're a wretched, wretched human <laughs> being. Tell me she didn't look like Mimi I'm first with the makeup. You know, I really didn't think she did. And I've met Mimi I'm, I'm first. And I really didn't see this. I'm going to be honest with you. I think you might be Mimi I'm first. Uh, no. Are you kidding me? She's got 200 pounds on me. How dare you? I really liked this look. And again, this was Michelle saying, I wanted more. Why? This is what I would have expected from Alexis. This is an Alexis stock look that I bet if I were to pull up old pictures of her, this is what I picture when I picture Alexis. I can see her as this kind of fun, pigs in space kind of character. And if I don't know the size of the bitch who I'm going to have, a pair of go-go boots and a and a, a bodysuit that I can put on her that's flashy is not a bad idea. I actually think her makeup job on this was also one of the prettiest makeup jobs that I have seen, personally. I thought her makeup looked good. I thought that she could be a drag queen right away. I mean, I thought she looked good. I thought there was a softness to her. I thought it was well done. So, again, for the challenge, for the purpose of the challenge, I would, again, give this a two. Okay. Joe Batanz. I agree with Boo Hecker. I think... That this is, uh, you know, um, Alexis's thing. This is her aesthetic. This is her drag persona. She made her look like her sister. They look like sisters. She even said and untucked that she really worked the outfits out and had to, you know, tailor it to uh, Ryan's um, look. I think they look like sister. I think they look great. The makeup was good. I don't think. I think she was a safe. I don't think she was a winner. But I think she was a safe, and uh, I don't know why she got the. I think they're just setting her up to go home soon. Yeah, I would. So you give this a toot, then it sounds like. 
I gave it a two, but not not like a like toot. It's more like a two. They met the challenge. I mean, that's how I yeah. feel. They met the they, challenge. They, they met the challenge. Successfully and I, met the challenge. I de- I definitely hear what you're saying as far as they definitely look like sisters. They, they, there's a cohesive look between the two of them. I think what what Joe Batanz is saying is that it's a very safe look, and it's there is a boringness to it. However, that might be with Alexis. That might be her stock look. Sure. I don't know. Well, I mean, do but it, I think that this is. Let, let me finish. Yeah, sure, I think whatever. this is something that if you see this, th- this is a look. This is a third or fourth episode look. I think that's the problem that Michelle had with this. Okay, this isn't a look that is where we're nine, ten episodes in. You know, there is there is a way that every. Alexis is not all about bodysuits and about the shiny and stuff like that. She has worn gowns. She has worn other things. She could have easily done a look that was cohesive with her sister that had a little bit more glamour, had a little bit more. There's only five, there's only six queens at this point to stand out a little bit more, and this is a very safe look. And- it's a gorgeous look. I, I love the whole shiny metallic, and I love the hair and everything. I just think that this is more episode three versus episode but Ten. here's what I want you to think about what you just said, okay? This is why I'm going to completely disagree with you. Okay. You not only – this is like you, – you said she could have wore a gown. Look, she can either teach this woman how to walk as a drag queen, do her makeup so they match on somebody's face you've never done it on, or build a fucking form-fitted dress from scratch. Alexis doesn't wear baggy dresses. Everything Alexis has is form-fitted. So she would not only have to draft a pattern on somebody's body who may be similar to her. They actually might have worked out well. But you have to draft a pattern to somebody's body and build a dress from scratch. I mean, this is like me saying to you, I want you and Joe Batan, you to make Joe Batanz into your drag twin and go. Well, I promise you, you're going to pull out a leotard, maybe not in this situation, but you're, <laughs> going, but you're going to maybe with the two of you come up with some caftan or some flowy thing because something form fitted, which may be gorgeous at this point, is not going to work if at the same time you have to build all these other aspects. Joey, I'm agreeing with you on most of the things you're saying. I just don't – I think this far into the competition, there should have been something – Then maybe it, this it is sh- something they should more. do earlier then because I'll be honest. You're, t- you're, you're birthing a drag queen, which is not usually done in 12 hours. I'd be curious how long they had. Birthing a drag queen is a process. <laughs> they come out with a crown, you know? <laughs> Look, they had a couple of days, but you know, Taylor, I'm, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, you were saying this is an episode three look, but this is going back to the original point, which is I feel in the first quarter of the episodes, the first chunk of the episodes, you're establishing your drag persona. Yes. And then on episode 10, or in the, in the later episodes, when you're saying this is who I can be. But on this challenge, they're saying take that drag persona and insert this person into that drag persona. So the only thing you can do. You know, is go back to episode three or four you're because that's when you're, you're still establishing right. that. You're absolutely right because early on they say, "Great, we've seen what you can do. Now show us. Now try this." Where I agree with you, I would absolutely go back to the stock look. That makes that is really well said, Joe. Like Valentina probably would have had Aaron, you know, and I'm sure Valentina would have done some sort of Mexican thing with Aaron, who was Nina's um, guy, by the way. Right. Right. Well, well, when you're well, building move- somebody else, do what you know. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's like right. it's like a dinner party. If you're having a dinner party, don't pull out some of Ina's recipes you've never tried before. Make bog chicken. Do what you know. Nobody's going to go, well, Taylor, yeah, we've yeah, had exactly. your bog Taylor. chicken before. We never. We were hoping for, for <laughs> beef burgundy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, good point. 
Yeah, Taylor, when you take people to Disneyland, you're not going to take them to, you know, the most random... You're not going to take them to Epcot first. You're going to take them to where? Where you take? What, what land are you taking them first? Magic Kingdom. Yeah, you're taking them to Magic Kingdom first. You're not taking them to Epcot. Why? I like her look. Why are you both picking on me? Because we hate I'm you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Bitter. All right, Nina and Ariana, we're moving on. We're moving on. So, mm-hmm. by the way, I give the look a boot. I, or I leave the, give the look a toot. I just, it's a toot with reservation. So, all right. Nina and Ariana. So, whose goes first? Joe Batance, what is your thought on these bunny looks? Horrible. I totally agree with the judges. You have this incredible makeup from the neck up. And then it's just, it's just, whatever. It's, it's what are those body things called? They're not called leotards. It's a corset. They're called, it's it's a corset. corsets and boots. You know, and then, and, then, and like I think Ross made a good point, which is that if she would have put like a bunny, if she would have tied it together, it would have made a lot more sense. But like this weird bunny makeup from the neck up, and then these corsets and boots. Yeah, boot. Yeah. All right, Joey Boohacker. I think Nina is a brilliant makeup artist. I sometimes sit there and I just marvel what she what she's able to do. I I will never take that away from her, and I understand. The, the look and the aesthetic here. However, and this bitch can't sew. We know you can't sew. People out there, if you are going on RuPaul's Drag Race and you can't thread a bobbin, don't come on. Or at least come with a big enough bag of tricks. I would have came on with, had somebody make me two mini caftans, like Lady Bunny style, okay? Because I knew there's a challenge of making a twin. I would have had two Lady Bunny style caftans so I could just cinch them and change the size based on, you know what I mean? Something that's adjustable. I would have brought that fucking with me just to have a dress. If she had the go-go boots on with a little, with a little dress that, you know, matching dress, I've been all in for this. If her idea, even with this, was making her take on the Playboy Bunny, then I would have added bow ties or added a little fucking fuzzy tail in back, maybe a dangling carrot to make a joke. But as far as I'm concerned, this was a cop-out. The makeup was brilliant. But this, I, I don't think anybody else should have been on the bottom except for her. This was a boot. Yeah, I, I would agree this with this was a boot. I it, there was there was a definite disconnect. And I had actually thought at some point, well, maybe she's trying to do Playboy Bunny. But I think that would have involved a bow tie, a cottontail, something. And this was just, oh shit, I'm running out of time. I tried to sew something. I can't sew it. So we're going to move on. Even gonna, gloves and jewelry. Cause Ariana had no nails on drag Queens, aspiring drag Queens. If you're not wearing gloves, you best be wearing nails period. Okay. All right. So finally we have peppermint and wintergreen. Joey Boohecker, what is your thought on peppermint and wintergreen's looks? I love peppermint gummy bear, which I don't think they even call her that here, but that was her name in New York. I love peppermint. I think she's the sweetest person in the world. Now what's funny about this is, and I didn't realize it till they started doing the judging. Do you know when they initially came out, I didn't even notice they were in different fabrics. I knew the silhouettes were similar, but I didn't notice the huge difference in the fabrics at all until they pointed it out because I was so taken by Wintergreen. I thought Wintergreen was a huge success as far as creating a drag queen and a persona. Um, I think there was no way on God's green earth, unless biology has changed, that they were ever going to be sisters. 
I don't know if I would have believed they were from the same house. But as far as creating a drag queen, I thought she created this outstanding look. For So for the look, I would give it a toot. As far as making her her twin, I don't think that was ever possible. So I guess it would have been a boot. But I still think that... I, I I didn't I wouldn't have noticed I probably wouldn't have noticed that's how taken I was by the way that the synergy of them together so overall mm-hmm. I would have tooted it because I really okay. really en- enjoyed it. All right, Joe Batanz, what are your thoughts on this look? Well, obviously they're both different ethnicities, so I would say because that's the case, you would have to make an outfit that screamed twins, and they're different material, they're different looks, they fit differently. Um, I don't know. Here's the deal. And I've never understood this. I've watched this episode several times. Uh-huh. I do not understand why people love this Wintergreen so much. I mean, I think she's fine. And like Kesha, like in the whole judges panel cracking up. Now, I think that Rue and Michelle cracking up because they know um, Sarge. Sarge. Sarge, right? And they know him and they've known him for years. So this is funny seeing Sarge vamp it up in the drag queen. But I don't know why everyone else thinks it's so funny. Why does Kesha think it's so funny? I don't understand what's so fucking funny. I think that's something that's lost on us not knowing them or not. But, you see, but, but you see all these fucking lemmings online who are like, oh my God, that was so funny. And I'm like, what? What was so fucking funny? I didn't think it was that funny. She, she is fierce, and she reminds me of someone who I can't place. She reminds me of an older drag queen, almost a Jackie Beat feel to her. She, okay, and it's funny you mentioned that, because my thought on Wintergreen is, we all have that aunt at the holiday parties that is Wintergreen, <laughs> that has the big hair and the makeup's a little, we're a little mannish looking. Taffy. But... <laughs> yes, yes, Taffy. But you know, we 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 have that that is kind of probably curses a little too much and drinks a little too much and smokes a little too much. But but they're 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 the the aunt or the older cousin that you just want to hang out with. That is the vibe I got from Wintergreen. I recognize that they're wearing two different patterns, but the silhouettes are the same kind of with the kimono right. type sleeves right. and that kind of stuff. And in that regard, I think it works. Peppermint was fucking sexy in this. I I am definitely Team Peppermint. I love Peppermint. And I thought she looked hot this week. And I thought that Wintergreen was fun. I thought it was a funny moment with the whole thing with Kesha, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it's not going to go down as like one of the top ten funniest moments ever. It just was. It was a funny moment because you're taking somebody who goes by the name Sarge and has completely embraced his feminine side over the course of these twelve hours or whatever it is to get to. The, so in that regards, I thought it was a funny warm moment so i do th- i would definitely i do think it's the eight. sexiest i've ever seen peppermint yeah yeah the, with the with the with the shaka khan hair and the, and the, the it just everything everything works so i would give this a toot as well so and that is our looks for the week all right this week there was really only one storyline apart from the main challenge nina bonina brown and her season partner her inner saboteur made an appearance immediately after her lip sync against valentina Yeah, I mean, it was cute. I did what I had to do. But for me, this is like not like a happy moment. I, I feel horrible. I, I feel bad because I feel like maybe if she wasn't in a group with me, she probably would still be here. No, no, no you can't. You, know, you can't take that on, girl. That ain't so far. I'm just saying, hear me out, y'all, before y'all curse me out. The negative one is still here and the positive one. Girl. But Nina, but we're rooting for, for you. Him. The way you just fought, that was beautiful. Yeah, but I just feel bad. It's tough being in the bottom, 
But is there a little piece of you that feels victorious after this? No. I can't, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Can we stop talking we about this, this actually? This is not, I'm not having this conversation anymore. I love you. That's all I have to say. Because I really don't care, that's the thing. Like I should, but I, but, but I don't. I'm not asking for anybody to be like, oh, man, it's okay. I mean, that's what it, it totally did. All right, Joey. Any thoughts on Nina? Your thoughts? Unleash. Go ahead. Uh, the Nino Benina stuff. First of all, I think one of the smartest things, either smartest or not smartest, the people who who paired up everybody were very kind this year because everybody was paired up with a person that worked very well for them. If I was picking right. everybody's partner, I I would pick uh, I, I would pick RuPaul for Joe Batance. I would pick a midget for or a small person for Taylor. Like I would pick the most opposite people to fuck you people up, you know. And they were very kind to everybody. So I thought it was interesting that that they picked somebody who also had demons, who had a, had a similar um, type of personality for Nina, you know. And I thought that was that was very kind of them. Um, what was unkind was that we had to live through this fucking storyline again, and. It just backs up the point that I make where there are no villains in this episode. There are no mean girls because in past episodes, somebody would have turned around and said, bitch, if you don't want to be here, get out of here. I've tried the last six years to get on this show to change my life, to change my future. And you're filling up a space of somebody who has already left who would really like your space. So if you don't think you can win it, don't be here. Don't walk in this door to be second, third, fourth, fifth place. Walk in this door to take on the crown. If you don't think you should do it, you shouldn't even have came in in the first place. And everybody instead was like, oh, we're here for you, sister. We're supporting you, which shows that there's no villains. Now, I'm sure the producers kept like bringing it back up, hoping that somebody would turn around and say, bitch, if you're not here to win, walk out. We're sick of hearing you whine about it. And they must have been like, wow, there are no mean bitches in the room. Taylor? Uh, okay. Uh, she reminds me of the person that we all knew in high school or may have been in high school that would sit at the end of the cafeteria table and let out the big size and everybody go, what's wrong? And he goes, nothing. And eventually what happens is everybody stops asking. And I think we were definitely seeing that this week with some of them where maybe they had been talking kind of privately, but at this point we're like, I can't talk about this anymore. We we have to move on. We have to go. We have to move on. I'm, I would say – now, I'm obviously not her therapist. I'm not Nina's therapist. But she strikes me as somebody that may be going through a clinical depression versus something uh, – versus something where a situational depression – where there may be, it sounds like there's just stuff going on, stuff going on in the mind of Nina Bonina Brown. And I would be curious if she were not in that place, if she were not in a place where she was, and I'm not saying that, you know, so that nobody, nobody sues me. I'm not saying that she has clinical depression. It's just my observation that I would, I would diagnose her with that. The fishbowl so, never helps. Her fishbowl? The fishbowl of doing a reality show oh, never yeah. helps. So I'm curious as to what she would be like if she was on the opposite end or just where she was leveled out. If she wouldn't quite have this effect and she would be giving it more, she'd be bringing it more to the to the competition. Um, but I, I think that it, it was time. It was more than time for her to go. I think that Joey pretty much said she took up a space for somebody. Now, considering last week, if she had 
not brought it and then she had, you know, not allowed it could have been a double elimination because of the whole Valentina thing, but I you know, she is a fierce competitor and she she's an example of when people get into their own heads how it can be more detrimental than when other people are saying things to them, keeping them down. There's been a lot of discussion on Reddit about this. Uh, a lot of people coming out of the word work now because this, you know this has been a storyline since almost the beginning. What's Reddit? And Reddit is That's a website, it's a message board, online forum, basically. So anyway, uh, on Reddit, they've been talking about uh, de- de- people having come out of the word work saying that they feel this way, they feel for Nina, they come defending Nina, and how this, you know, she sort of embodies their depression. And I'm wondering, you know, as annoying as it was to us, you know, because there's also been a lot of backlash against the queens that they were sort of mean to her. Taylor, what did you think about the way the queens were reacting in Untucked and in the beginning of the episode? I think that they handled it well. I th- because I think at some point, you you know, they're all there for themselves. And I understand that they want to build the sisterhood and they want they want to play nice with everybody for the, for the most part. Because as Joey's saying, there's no villains this season. But it's not RuPaul's best but, friend race. Wait, Right, but it's not RuPaul's best friend race. And ultimately, so is that something that because she feels bad, they're all going to go, you know what, girl, you get the crown. You take the crown because you, you need this. To- no, fuck you. At some point, they're all going to say, I, I was surprised when she went over to Shay and Shay helped her with the with the sewing machine. I was expecting to see where she'd go back over and go, I'm really sorry, it's not working. And Shay would have been, had every way to turn and go, then I'm really sorry, I guess you're on your own. You know, at some point, you have to stop holding her hand. We're, we're more than halfway through this competition. It's time for you to put on your big girl panties and either either give up, say, I'm out, I can't do this anymore, and do a door, a door Delano, or say, I have to give I have to give 110%. But this whole, when she said, you know, you know, you know, y'all, the negative person is coming out again, that's, you're giving it power at that point. And you're recognizing that th- this is the mask I'm going to wear, as we've talked about Nina and her masks, and th- this is who I'm going to be, and I guess it's time for you to all give me love. And I think the fact that at one point Sasha said on the regular episode, and, you know, and Peppermint said it, she's like, you know, we have a half an hour left. Can we not focus on this conversation again? I think we're very, they were they were setting boundaries for themselves, and they were saying, "I'm not going to do this anymore. I I can't do this anymore." But they were doing it in a way that worked for them, and it wasn't aggressive, and it wasn't where it was turning into a fight of a girl get over yourself. Which I think, had Nina stayed on the show, you would have eventually seen that. You would have eventually said, "Where somebody went, enough. I can't. I can't with you anymore." To go go sit in the corner and cry, or go sit by yourself and untucked, and just like you know, stare at the walls. It's it's. I'm just glad she's gone. They treated her far better than I ever would have. I at that point, no, no. no. I mean, at that point, I've been like, "Look, you're here or you're not here. You have a job to do." You've all heard me say this statement to other people. My favorite thing I say to people is, "Is do your job. If everybody does their job, everything's going to be fine, and we're here for a reason and a purpose." Now, well, you kind of saw that with Farah, where Farah said that a couple weeks ago and said, "Why are why are you here?" But then also, I think turned it around to where she's like, "I would love for to get the look." looks from RuPaul that you get and you're not right. appreciating. We're all here for a job. Deaf ears. But at the same right. sense, you know, and let's be honest and, and Taylor, you can speak to this. I believe look, depression's out there and, and people have to deal with and deal with it in a different way. But anybody who's getting on other people for mistreating her because she has depression, she there are people out there who have some real shit depression that they can't even get out of bed in the morning. She's on a reality show, which means she can cope with society. 
in my opinion, there's a lot of it that she brings upon herself of wanting the pity. She brings it up. When you want the attention, if, if you're really depressed, now that I'm there's di- not really depressed, there's different stages of depression. If you're really shutting down from the world, you are going to curl up in a ball and go in the corner. You're not going to lay on the couch in the middle of everybody and sit there quietly and wait for somebody to address you. You're not going to throw yourself on the dining room table and wait to be addressed. You're going to go in the corner and and shut yourself down. She wants to be engaged. She wants people to say, oh, honey, come here. Let's hug you, which which I'm sorry. It's a competition we don't have time to give everybody a gold star, especially in this competition. And if you can be there, it means you can cope in, in that situation. There are people with real shit depression who can't even get out of their beds or turn the light on. There's a huge difference there than what she is going through. And I applaud these girls for the way that they handled it. I see your hand. Go. I don't know what Taylor... I see your hand. Go. <laughs> What you raised your hand so I'd shut up. I got. I it. know, but you act like you're the host of this. You act like this is cocktails and drag race. Well, okay. Well, Here's the deal. Can change. Like, but what <laughs> I'm gonna. I, what I'm. I know. You know. Look, it wouldn't be. Some, I'd be the last co-host. Do you remember the last time Taylor voted somebody off the mountain? Got rid of Donna Sugars and then Daniel disappeared. Yeah, I know. And- Donna Sugars and Daniel and Joe. It's like ten little Indians. Right. So anyway, racist. Uh, but what, what I want to say, I want to disagree with you, Joey. And I don't know what Taylor's opinion is. On Who this. cares? A professional opinion. But I think it's unfair to tell someone what their depression should look like, or you're not really depressed because other people are this depressed. Depression is depression. No, no, I buy and that. How it I'm manifests itself is no, no, is different. No, no, no I buy that. But what I'm telling you, if, if there's people, I'm talking about the people on Reddit who are saying this is somebody who's depressed, and you have to feel for them. I get that. But if you're on a reality television show, you got shit kind of together. Okay, you got shit kind of together is the point that I'm making. There's just, have you ever seen any of the Real Housewives shows? None of those. But you, but, I would but, argue but, that but if Taylor, you're on a reality show, you don't have Taylor, shit together. Taylor, as an act, you get what I, where I'm coming from, right there, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that you can feel for Nina. I don't. You don't have to hold Nina's. No, I'm saying it. The, the royal we. Yeah. You can. We can feel for Nina, but that doesn't mean that we have to hold Nina's hand through everything. I think they handled it really better than I've seen most drag queens in history. Handle it. Most drag queens no, in right. would have started her on fire. You know. Oh yeah, a season three. Oh. Nina would have gotten, or a season with Raven on it. She would have gotten ripped to shreds yeah. on that. Please, they would have been like, "Bitch, go in the corner and die." Well, look, Laganja had her moments and untucked, and they no one was really sympathetic to her. She wasn't having depression like Nina, but she had that feeling under attack, and they, they were almost called laughing at her. It, it, it actually, to me, is something I have an issue with with society. When we all walk – they're all walking in to show Brew that they are the best candidate for the job. And in the same sense, what they all should understand is they're also interviewing for all the jobs that they potentially have in tours and clubs everywhere. If I'm a club owner, as talented as I think Nina is, I don't need that bullshit or that drama that she's having a bad day Every day. I want somebody who has their shit together, who is on time, who wants to be there at my business. You are, you are, and that's how I feel about in the world. They are all interviewing for a job, and I want the best candidate for the job. And I don't But has care. anyone said she doesn't show up for work? I mean, she's, she's, she is doing very well on the club circuit right now. Fine. You know, and maybe, and, and, but she's going to have to earn herself out of a hole that other, that, that she's put herself in. 
Yeah, you also figure she also was booking. If if that is true, she was booking when they made the announcement before okay, this well, shit we have came somebody, out. And she also was the first one to win a challenge. Yeah. So that, which actually, this means this is the first season that the first winner of a challenge wasn't in the top three. You know, and, and the other thing I was, so, I'm sorry. So so, but as we've seen this this descent in her this this attitude issue with her depression or otherwise i'm curious if that will keep her you know if she will go with bookings as far as some of the other queens who have maybe had a more positive experience or had a more positive representation on the show will have after after the season is over to flip the script drag in general a lot of reason that that some performers do drag is because they want to alter themselves. They don't like themselves or they want to change what they don't have control of. I'll be honest with you. One of my drag characters that I do, I feel can do anything. In that outfit, it's that drag character. I would shoot myself out of a cannon. I'd do anything or do ridiculously stupid things that Joe would never do. And it is. It is a mask. It is a comfort. It is Linus's blanket. You know, and sometimes the reason why you do it is because of a self-loathing for yourself in many different ways. For years, the joke used to be that men who did drag were usually ugly, ugly men. I don't think that's as true anymore. We have seen examples of it. You know, in a lot of drag pageants, when I did drag pageants, there was a category called male interview where you had to go as a male in a, in a suit and interview as a male. And I always did well with that because, you know, I'm an actor and that was comfortable for me being me. But so many drag queens... And you're modest. So many, right, yeah, that too. So many drag queens, though, do not do well in that because they don't feel comfortable without their wig and their makeup and their mask on. So being themselves was something they never felt secure in. So, I mean, I get, I get both sides of it. Ladies, did we miss anything on this episode? Any final thoughts, Taylor? Did we miss no, anything? I think did we, we covered co- everything pretty in pretty significant detail what was the purpose of the judges i just felt like they brought nothing that seems to be the theme every week but more yeah. so than than previous well zaldi seems qualified because he can judge right fashion. but we didn't see any of that is the point that i'm making i just felt like they just brought nothing did he did he even comment on anybody's looks yes he did he commented on alexis's looks and he commented on sasha's looks yeah okay Okay. So, Joey, did we cover everything? Have you, have you gotten it all out, Joey? Yes, and I actually enjoyed it. And, and as I told Joe on the phone, this is usually my least favorite episode of the season. because. But I think this is they've actually done it successfully once. I'd never liked it before. I hated when it was the Golden Girl one. I just – I didn't like I, – I think that the challenge was successful. I still think the editing I hated because I wish I could have seen them – teach the dance number and learn the dance number and actually see them perform the dance number that I wish I got to see. Okay. All right. Now it's time for emails. All right. This week we received an email from Brian who schools us on something we discussed in a previous episode. He writes, just so you guys know, Peppermint didn't have her breast implants done until after she filmed the show. In fact, I believe she had them done in January, according to her Instagram. Just an FYI, since Joe was surprised that the other queens didn't realize she was trans at first. Yeah, I think I assumed she had her breasts, one, because I, I knew she had breasts. But two, in that episode where we saw her walking around with a towel on, she has it, she's, has it bunched up by her chest like a woman would oh, to cover her breasts. she had to have hormones at that point. 
So number no, one, okay. she already is identifying as a woman. So of course she's not going to run around topless because she feels that she's a woman. So she's going to wear it like a woman. That makes perfect sense mm-hmm. to me. And in order to get breast implants, you do need because you need to have something there, which neither none of us in this room have any problems. We could get ours slipped in, our triple D slipped in today without a question <laughs> because we have the stretched out skin. But how, how are we getting so how, insulted, Taylor? Oh, okay. Do you? Why is shade being thrown out? Any of you disagree with that, that we could go get our tits today? It's kind Uh, of not the point. (laughs) Uh, But... What, with with any other per- what you normally have to do is they you have to go on uh, hormones for quite some time to begin the transition, and they also produce smaller breasts, and then they just expand that tissue. So she probably right. did have breasts; they just weren't implants. They were her natural breasts oh, okay. done by more chemical buds than than breasts. Sure, I'm glad Joey. Breasts. I'm so glad Joey was here today to explain that to us. Thank you. <laughs> so Joe, so- you can go off your hormones. <laughs> My hormones are Doritos and uh, <laughs> the blood essence of 20-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um, one other comment about Peppermint, though. I've, I've recently rewatched that video, the new video with her and Alexis and Sasha and Aja. And she looks like she's either either the hormones are really kicking in as far as it's feminizing her face beyond just the makeup. Or if she, I wonder if she's had plastic surgery. Because she definitely, her face looks different. And I, having worked with some of the clients that I work with that have been in transition, I know that face has changed a little bit. But it seems like if you watch, it's for CLAT. It's a pretty significant change in her my, face. She looks beautiful. My money's on the hormones. Just, my money's on the hormones. Okay. All right. So we also received- And my hormones on the money. Well, the, the other reason <laughs> I say that is okay. facial surgery takes longer to recover from. And I think that would have taken her out of the loop too long. Not knowing okay. when the show's going to drop, but it also, to me, looks much more hormone natural. Okay. All right. We also received an email from Marcos, who writes, Hey, guys, it's Marcos, your loyal listener from Brazil. How are y'all doing? This season has not been the best in terms of lip syncing for your life. Not only the I'll just give up ones, like Charlie Hyde's and this week's Nina Bonina, but in general, in season, they have kind of been weak and lackluster which gave me an idea for a challenge that I think could be very fun to watch. A lip sync of a lip sync. The girls would have ha- the girls would have to reenact a lip sync for your life from a past season. The ones that really made a mark on the show, like Dita Ritz versus the Princesses, This Will Be, Manila versus Delta's MacArthur Park, and many others. I remember they did a lip sync for a past scene from Untucked on season five of some of the fights between the queens, but I think it would be really cool to do this with their classic performances. What do you guys think? Also, Joe, what are the subreddits you follow other than r slash RuPaul's Drag Race? I get very curious to be part of those juicy discussions you always comment about. Thanks for the time. See you next week. Okay, so I think it's a good idea. Here's the problem is... One of the biggest expenses on the show are the rights to this song. Yeah. And that's why people, uh, you'll see on Reddit or any of the other message boards, people say like, oh, why aren't they doing, you know, Vogue? Or I think they have done Vogue. But why aren't they doing, you know, like uh, some huge song? Like, why aren't they doing, uh, uh, what's a huge song that they would do? That would be really It's expensive? getting like, better now, though, Joe, because they've established themselves where season one was all ruse stuff because they couldn't get the rights to anything. 
Well, yeah, yeah. And maybe next season you'll have more money and they can get better songs. When they had an actual Madonna song, I was shocked. Well, they, 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 yeah, they've done a couple of Madonna songs, but they do sometimes, but they haven't done like, like a, there's a famous song that they haven't done. It's because they can't get the rights to it. Like, okay, but they had Lady Gaga on the season. They didn't have a Lady Gaga song. So you're looking for an expensive song. That would be one that I would think would be expensive to get the rights to. Yeah, Lady Gaga is a really good example. They, they, but they've done a couple of Lady Gaga yes, songs. The what was the Madonna song? Oh, the, they did music. So she wrote that. I no, but they also did Vogue. They've done Vogue as well. I don't remember. It uh, seems Vogue. I don't think they No, they have Vogue. done Vogue. No, I don't believe so. I don't think they've done Vogue. Hold on. I have a list of all of But that. see, now with it being on VH1, that might also open some royalty doors. Yeah. Well, no, they just have more money to pay for it. But, you know... Um, so what happens is in a challenge like that, that would be an ext- – it would be a great challenge, but it would be an extremely expensive challenge. Let's say they have five queens. Now that's five songs they have to pay for the royalties for in right. one episode. And, and, he, and those are big songs. And there are and ways around it. And- like Dancing with the Stars, if you notice, most of the time those are other – we're not – because what you have to pay for in the royalties, you have to pay for the recording replay but you also have to play for the artist so a lot of times on dancing with the stars they don't like if they were doing a madonna song they'd have their band do it so they're only paying the writers then at that point and the other thing you have to consider is when they replay the show or put the show on dvd and other shit like that that is additional fees so just you're right joe it gets horribly expensive that's why you don't ever see um wkrp in cincinnati on yeah. DVD and stuff because of they used the actual music when it was on TV or when they do show it they have that can I never knew that studio music yeah, yeah and that's why it took forever for the Wonder Years to um, go on DVD so they have done Vogue by the way oh they did Woo. who did it oh I don't know I, I just have it on the master list of songs they've done on Drag well, that Race. doesn't help I'll I'll look I'm looking now okay good I'm not looking it is season four Ooh, I don't remember that. Yeah, so it looks like what they do is they they have a few that they'll drop some big bucks for, and then they have like then they'll have I'll meet you in the ladies room, you know, a bunch of those. <laughs> or they'll meet in the ladies room. Michelle There's Williams is on the, the show today, room. and Michelle cries. <laughs> I've never seen my song done like that. I mean, done well. Well, I imagine those Demi Lovato and Ariana Grande songs are probably pretty expensive too. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that that would be a very expensive challenge. Now, for the subreddits that I go to, you know, I emailed you personally, Marcos, and so I answered it for people listening. What I'll, I'll name a few of them. I was saying for you know the main RuPaul's Drag Race, you can go to r slash RuPaul's Drag Race. Then they have uh, a one that follows the drama called r r p d r drama, and um, those are those are two good ones to start at. Okay. Um, all right. Let's move on to. Oh, wait, Taylor, do you have another thing to say? Oh, I just wanted to say that uh, we'd like to thank Lawson and Sarah for their emails this week as well. All right. Perfect. Speak, speaking of Lawson and Sarah, both of them emailed for different reasons about uh, the problem with spoilers. And we got a few messages about there were some people who were a little upset that um, in episode, because, you know, actually, I got to thank Sarah specifically. Sarah is a big fan, and she actually messaged us with the exact time, with the exact episode and timestamp of when I mentioned the Nina Bonina uh, rumor. Now, what's funny is when I went back and listened to it, is I actually do say spoiler alert. The spoiler Valentina alert. Rumor, you I'm sorry, the Valentina rumor. Right on the Valentina rumor with the mask. I say spoiler yeah, alert. I go. read this. If you don't want to hear this, skip ahead. Taylor, do you want to? I mean, there was a lot of warning if you didn't want to hear it. Okay, and so that said, I have a new policy 
And Taylor, I don't think I'm talking about this Taylor, but I think this will be the new policy going forward, which will probably be more important for next season, is I think we'll discuss no spoilers on this show. Any sort of spoilers or speculation or rumors will all be discussed on the live Gold Bar episodes. And so we'll just do that from now on. That way you don't have to worry about it. And if you want to hear spoilers, rumors, discussions, uh, speculation, that will all you have to tune in the Gold Bar. Which, by the way, guys, this Gold Bar is so fun. On Friday night, I mean, you know what? I did this experiment, Taylor, mm-hmm. where on Friday, I didn't even announce we were doing the gold bar. Mm-hmm. I just showed up. I want to see what happened. And we had most of our audience still there. The vast majority were still there. They just knew to show up on Fridays at 9.05 p.m. Pacific, 12.05 a.m. Eastern, right after the season, uh, after the, the episode premiere on the West Coast on Pride 48. Dot com. Yeah. Okay, if so the gold that. bar is not available, what you guys can do is what I do is you can text message Joe directly at. <laughs> 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 Wait, you're going to edit this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why did we not discuss the tucking situation? I wanted to talk about the talking situation, especially considering you have experience in drag. Yes. Wait, we t- wait stop. Two things. <laughs> Two things. The tucking it's- situation came up on the recording. On the recording. Two, there's a part 10 seconds ago where I said, any other thoughts that we didn't cover? But go ahead and do it now. Well, you know what? There's so much in this episode. Take it, Taylor. I, just, I, tucking fascinates me. I, I, I don't know how people do it. And uh, I think, you know, there's, there's some people who've done amazing tucks. I've seen people do tucks that just astonish me. Uh, a drag queen named Armani comes to, comes to mind. And she's literally, sometimes with a tuck, you take your testicles and you shove them inside of you. And then you take your penis and keep it loose and you pull it back as far as you can and you tuck it in your ass. And sometimes people use duct tape. I've also used to use duct tape for cinchers. I used to create, when I wanted to cinch myself into a dress, I would take saran, for a pageant, I would wrap saran wrap around my body and then tape it over with duct tape. Or I'd take my breasts and push them together with duct tape. Duct tape covers all. Duct tape is horrible coming off. Um, so wait, what was your question about tucking? Uh, have you ever done it? Have you? Ever I have. It? it depends on what I'm doing. If, when I would do dance numbers, like I would do Fever and other Madonna numbers, where I'm in like essentially like the like a virgin outfit from the Blonde Ambition tour. Yes, absolutely have. Um, I don't stick my testicles inside of me. Luckily, they get shy on their own, and I just pull everything back. It can also be done without duct tape. It can be done with. A, a series of tights or spanks. You, as long as you smooth it out and you don't, you don't want a meaty tuck, but you just have to like, look, I think your body kind of shuts itself down also at that point. So it gets to its smallest stage. And let's be honest, men can really shrink down if they need to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I've done it. I've done it. And you've got to make sure it's comfortable. One of the most uncomfortable tucks I ever had was I was shooting a film uh, called Slime City Massacre. And I was in drag for eight hours and my tuck came undone where one of my testicles came out of a hole of my fishnets. It was the most painful <laughs> thing I've ever done in my life. So both emotionally and physically. Oh, from the God. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible where I was playing a transgender hooker or a transvestite hooker at the apocalypse. It was a great job anyway. Okay. So yes, I've done it. It's look, anybody can do it. We've all, every boy has done it when they were little boys and we've all done the, the, the Buffalo bill thing from, from uh, 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 La- Silence of the Lambs. Don't tell me you've never tucked it between your legs and came out, came out to show, you know, Babalu your bush. 
We've all done it at some point. Oh, that's a good question, Joey. Have you ever tucked your dick between your legs and then shown Baba Lou your bush? I, I, don't I, think I actually I have. That I've, tucked my, I've tucked it between my legs, but I don't know that I've ever come out to Baba Lou. I, I might do that after we finish I, taping I want show. you to do it to Taffy. <laughs> no. Have you ever, like, lubed up your inner thighs and then closed them around Baba Lou's dick and have him fuck you, missionary sound like a girl? I have not. Well, <laughs> well I'm glad to hear that you haven't fucked my husband. <laughs> Uh, no. Since the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the craziest place you and Babalu had sex? The restaurant when Where? we were there and I had those delicious... Oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, I, we've never really done it at any place really crazy. Hey, we have a special announcement. <laughs> <laughs> this year, Taylor and I are going to broadcast a very special live episode of RuPaul's Drag Race recap during the Pride 48 live streaming and event. And I'm thrilled to Every- be asked. <laughs> Every year in celebration of Pride Month, Pride 48 hosts a live streaming event for an entire weekend. This year, that weekend is June 23rd through June 25th. Drag Race Recap will be live on Sunday, June 25th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Pride48.com. If you've ever tuned in for a live gold bar session, it's the same process. Look for more information as we get closer to the event. Now, we are very lucky to have one of the High Admiral suits. He's not... The same as every other suit. You know, the suits are the people that run Pride 48. He is a higher level than the other suits. Joseph L. Buhecker is with us today. Joseph, what can you tell us about this live streaming event that well, we're going to be participating Anybody who hasn't done it before, and especially all of you who'd like to get in on it, and I'm sure Joe will have a moment where he's talking in the chat room, is you are live in a chat room with everybody else. So there will definitely be side discussions that occur, and you can post stuff back and forth and really get in on the discussion. Um, Pride 48 is a great resource if you're into podcasts or not into podcasts. This is a great way to, to, to find other, other shows. You know, when I first discovered podcasts, which I didn't even discover Pod is my co-pilot through the way I found everybody else, I just went to iTunes and typed in gay or LGBT and that's how I started. And then Pride 48 was created and that's how I discovered, you know, uh, uh, what's your name? Taylor and Pod is my co-pilot. Uh, is through that. It's a great resource. It's our shows, and you get to hear a lot of great, great podcasts. You find a lot of personalities. I highly recommend that you come for the entire weekend. When were your When will your uh, verbal abuse podcast, Cocktails and Cream Puffs, be on Pride Forty Eight on that weekend? We are, oh God, it's actually later than I wanted it to be. To be honest with you, I always like to be the first day, but we are on at eleven p.m. Eastern time until midnight on Friday. And then I have to get up in the morning and do my ride for Roswell, which kills me because Taylor and Taffy are doing a let's talk as long as we can on the stream. And I want to be there. And I just. Yeah. Taylor, tell us about that. Yes. I we're doing a <clears throat> we're doing a regular doing show on uh, of Pod is my co-pilot on Sunday, the 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern. However, starting at 3 a.m. Saturday morning. My co-hosts, Taffy Carlisle Huffington and Rodan and I are going to be doing a special Pot is My Co-Pilot After Dark. It'll last an hour, maybe an hour 20, and Rodan will quit first. If if it Rodan will definitely quit first. We talked about that last night at dinner, and we we think that he'll be the first one to quit. However, we are going to talk uh, as long as we can until the next show that's scheduled starts, and I believe that's at 10 a.m. Will you two be drinking? We won't make it till 10. Will you be drinking? We will talk. My fear with drinking is that it will make me tired. But I want but Taffy they, drinking. <laughs> uh, we, we'll see what we can do. We have some things planned. 
we'll we'll see. I'll ship some whiskey out. Okay. Do you have any? Do you have any special guests for uh, lined up? No, we haven't. No, is that your way of saying you want to be a guest? No. <laughs> oh, how, I would, I would get on that in a second if you take call-ins. Yeah, no, we're not. Unfortunately, we. I don't have the setup. Taffy to take calls, is my. But. Yeah, this is the setup, asshole. Taffy is my <laughs> favorite person in the entire. Probably one of my favorite top five people in the entire world. If and when diabetes takes Taylor, I'm hoping to make for her to adopt me as as my uh, fag hag. Is that why I keep getting those edible arrangements in the mail? Yes. Those big, those cookie bouquets? Yes. <laughs> anyway, we're, spe- we're, we're also playing a very special show that um, we're, it's not going to be, because you know, that's the same weekend that the finale airs. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the finale is on the 23rd of June. And uh, so it, we're going to have a separate finale recap episode. This live event is going to be a special live event only. So if you want to hear me and Taylor, we're... We're trying to plan something special. Uh, I don't want to spill too much about what it is, but we're trying to plan something special for that live event. Well, that concludes another episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Taylor and I would like to thank our special guest, Joey Buhecker, for joining us today. You can find Joey on his very own podcast called Cocktails and Cream Puffs, available wherever you find podcasts, and at cocktailsandcreampuffs.com. Now, Joey, I was also trying to find a way to plug um, your friend Betsy Carmichael. But is there any Betsy Carmichael news that we should know about? Uh, it's going to be announced today, but I actually have a couple more venues. Betsy Carmichael is a character I do, and it's a it's a show I do. It's an interactive bingo show. And I will be announcing shortly that we will be in Providence, Rhode Island this summer. And we will also be in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana this summer. Um, those are the two gigs that I'm ready to talk about. But I'm, it's going well. Where can people find more information about Betsy Carmichael? At BetsyBingo.com. So, for Taylor Taylor Thomas, Joey Buhecker, and myself, sashay away until next week. Want to share your thoughts about Drag Race? Email us at DragRaceRecap at gmail.com. Help the show out. Leave us a review on iTunes. It really works. For up-to-the-minute news about the show, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap and follow us on Twitter at dragracerecap. To find all of our old episodes, visit our website at dragracerecap.com. Taylor has his own podcast. It's called Pod Is My Copilot, and you can find it at podismycopilot.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor on Instagram at PIMCTaylor and on Twitter at PIMCTaylor. Want to hear me talk about Drag Race even more? Well, then listen to me on One on One with Larry Flick every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, exclusively on Entertainment Weekly Radio, Channel 105 on Sirius XM Radio. You can also find me on my other podcast, Catching Up with Mike and Joe, available at cupodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at JoeBatance or on Twitter at JoeBatance. If, for some reason, you would like to know what I'm eating, you can also follow my food Instagram at HungryChola. Fifi, I tried to hug you, though. You know what? It's always okay to make mistakes and just know that you can always grow from them. It's never the end. You can always start over. Love you all. Fifi O'Hara. Jump in a car. <laughs> <laughs>